we uh, we uh, are not teaching on Proverbs today, and uh, I think I kind of forgot that with that little intro thing, and that's okay. We uh, we were having a laugh about it there, uh, but uh, man, we're glad to be with you this morning. We uh, we're entering uh, Holy Week. We're entering Easter week. Uh, is that not crazy? Uh, we're in April. It's April. Uh, man, uh, they just go by so fast. That makes you really old when you say stuff like that, right? And and I know. And I am really old, and it's okay. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, this is Easter week, so uh, you know a lot happening this coming week, and uh, you know as we're uh, as we're getting into this week, you know one of the things that uh, you know I wanted to spend some time talking about this morning was just just you know the thought of Palm Sunday and you know all that comes with that, and uh, you know really I think most believers when they think about Palm Sunday, I think mostly we think about this like celebration. And we're going to study a little bit about that and see about that, but uh, there is that piece of that, but there's there's so much more than just this celebration. In fact, uh, the celebration is very momentary, um, you know, and I, I kind of, I've spent a lot of time thinking this week just about, you know, this particular week of Jesus's life. And uh, first of all, let me just say, I'm like, more grateful than anything about this week of Jesus's life. I, you know, I, I don't know about you, but if if I've got a big week coming up with a full of a bunch of stuff that you know doesn't seem to be all that appealing to me, like stuff that I don't want to have to deal with or whatever, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but I, you know, my initial reaction is be like, how can we get out of that? Can we like, can we move that back? Can we put that later in the calendar? Or you know, I mean, those are my initial reactions. They're like, you know, let's just let's just pretend like we're not going to do those things and then just not do them, you know, or whatever. Um, and I'm, I mean, I'm so grateful for Jesus's life, but I'm, I'm so extremely grateful that he was willing to live out this last week before he would die too, you know, because I mean, what a tragedy it would be in our faith if we didn't have the last week, you know, or if we had the cross and we didn't have you know, the resurrection. I mean, it's just all, all these facets of it. Um, you know, but I just got to thinking about, you know, like what, what a big week uh, this is in Jesus's life. And, and, and we are going to study some on, you know, this moment where, uh, you know, Jesus is being praised and, you know, it's Palm Sunday and they got the, the branches and the, and the whole bit and all that. But, uh, you know, I also just want us to kind of spend some time thinking about the week that is to come for him. And, and, and I know we immediately go to the cross and we go to, you know, the resurrection. We, we go to those things real fast uh, with that thought. But there's more. There's a whole lot more. Uh, and in fact, I'm even going to give you like a little study assignment if you want one for the week uh, of just where you can go with Scripture this week that maybe can even uh, help you with that. Um, you know, and I just think about, you know, Jesus knew that this week was coming, you know. But, you know, we, we as a community, we've we have faced a terrible week this week as this, you know, Nashville community with the things uh, that we have seen and the things that we probably all know people that have experienced. We have people within our church uh, who have experienced Metro PD officers in our church that were on that scene, uh, you know, just lots of things. This, this affects so many different people, um, you know, and, and I just think about, you know, we didn't know that those things were coming. And Jesus knew, he knew those things were coming, 
he he also knew that you know uh, the things that were coming the week that he would die were coming. You know he he knew he knew all those things were coming, and yet he still went through with it. He knew, you know, and up until now in Jesus's ministry. You know, throughout the Gospels where we see these stories of his friends telling of his life, um, you know, what we see is we see Jesus, you know, he kind of he kind of dodges around, if you've noticed. Like he'll, you know, they'll he'll 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 catch wind of like some people coming after him, and then he's like, Oh, let's let's go over here to this town now, you know. And uh, and he and he kind of maneuvers around in the night and some of that kind of stuff, and I love all that stuff. And uh, you know, but but he knows, I mean he knows what's going on. Uh, and and he spends all this time teaching all these things and loving others and serving others and investing in others. And this week would be a little different. This week, he wouldn't dodge. This week, he's putting it all on display. He he goes and he teaches like crazy during this week. Uh, you know, after we see this moment of you know him coming into town and you know, being celebrated and all this. And, you, and again, we got to remember, going back to things that we've spent a lot of time talking about here, um, that they thought they were getting a king. They were looking for a politician. They were looking for somebody that would help make them rich. That's why they were so happy. They didn't understand, you know, the, the fullness of the prophecies that were going to be fulfilled on this particular day in the passage that we're studying you know, they, they, didn't, they didn't understand. And it's okay that they didn't understand. We probably, if we'd been there, we wouldn't have understood it either. You know? But Jesus comes. And as he comes, he knows the things that are going to come at him over this week. And I want to talk about, I want to talk about, I want to read through the passage where he's coming into town. He's celebrated. He's worshipped. We'll talk a little bit about that. And then I want us to talk about a couple things that happened there after that and, and encourage you to continue to study on that maybe during this week. Uh, if you've got a Bible, we're going to go to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 28. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, our ushers will bring you one, and they're glad for you to have one. We're glad for you to have one. You can keep it if you don't own one. Uh, but Luke 19 uh, is where we're going today. And in Luke 19, we see this passage uh, of Jesus uh, and the donkey and all of this, and this is this is fulfilling prophecy. This is uh, fulfilling uh, prophecy from Isaiah 62, Zechariah 9. These are you know things that are happening uh, with purpose, more purpose than anybody probably realized on the scene in that moment, even including his disciples. Uh, but uh, yeah, uh, but I, I want us to read through this and uh, just kind of think about it for a few moments. Luke 19 verse 28, and it says this. It says, and when he, had, when he had said these things, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. When he drew near to Bethpage and Bethany at the mount that, was, that is called Olivet, he sent two of his disciples saying, go into the village in front of you, where on entering you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, while you are untying it, you say this, the Lord has need of it. I feel like we could use that line, you know, from time to time, right? Just at random things like, you know, maybe not, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really tempted, you know. So, yeah, 
But anyway, verse 32 says, so, so those who were sent went away and found it, and just as he told them, and as they were untying the colt, its owner said to them, why are you untying the colt? And they said to him, the Lord has need of it. And they brought it to Jesus, and throwing their cloaks on the colt, they set Jesus on it. And as he rode along, they spread their cloaks on the road. As he was drawing near, already on the way down the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of his disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory to the highest. And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So we have this, this whole scene of Jesus coming into town. And uh, one of the things I want to encourage you to do this week, and I'm going I'm to give you the passages so if you're writing them down, if you're taking any notes or whatever, you can write them down uh, today or whatever. Um, but I, I, I want, want to encourage you this week to go and study all four accounts of this passage and then on to uh, the beginning of Christ's suffering, if you will, if you have time. Uh, you, you can pick one, one book a day and read through it. It's not, a, you know, some are more than others. Um, it is amazing how much stuff Jesus packed into this week. It's amazing how much stuff he packed into this week. There is so much stuff. He teaches so much stuff during this week. In fact, you know, we'll get to this here in a little bit, but you know, after the passages that we're studying today, he ends up in the temple teaching. You know, and and you know, I mean, there's just all this, you know, he's just teaching and teaching. He's like, I'm I'm just gonna try to give him everything I can until the time has come for me to go. So we see Jesus coming into town, riding on the donkey, a donkey that no one had ever sat on. This is all, again, fulfilling the prophecies that I mentioned earlier. You know, and they're praising his name. They're chanting to him, singing his name. Like a, uh, you know, it's, uh, for us today, uh, you know, the closest thing I can think of is like, you know, when a, when a ball team is coming home, you know, from winning it all, you know, and they've been at the Super Bowl or the World Series or whatever, and, you know, they have the parade and, you know, Nashville, I don't know if we'll ever find out what that's like, but, you know, um, sometimes we get real close, don't we? Sometimes we get our hopes up. I I'd love to see it happen. I'll, I'll be there at the parade, and you'll be like, look, it happened. You made fun of us all this year, all these years, right? You know, and, and, and I just think, you know, this is, this is, this is this reaction, you know, they're so happy. And it tells us why they're happy. They're happy because they're, they're rejoicing and celebrating in the things that he has done. This is, a, this is a note for us, by the way. Celebrating the things that he's done. We're sometimes not good at this. Like, sometimes we're so bad at it, all we do is focus on the hard moments that are now. Or the things we're struggling in now, or, or maybe just the good thing that he just did. But I mean, you know, one of the things that I think is important for us to do as believers and even as a church is to look back and celebrate who God is and what he's done in our lives. I mean, this is an important piece of our faith. You know, we're, we're so much more likely to see 
the thing that we're going through now and go, eh, you know what? The Lord's got this. When we are reminded of all the junk He's done in the past. Right? And we know that, but we forget that. And we're too busy for that, if we're being honest. I want to encourage us that it's important for us to take time out. Maybe, maybe that's something we do over Easter. Maybe that's something you do with your family at Easter. Is, you know, hey, everybody just, you know, say something you're grateful for kind of thing or, you know, whatever. You know, that's what they're doing here. They're taking this moment and they're praising God for all the things that they have seen Jesus do. The Pharisees, they're always seemingly not happy right these guys you know and 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 here's the deal they're you know they're scribes and they're you know the higher ups and 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 they're not happy because there's a whole bunch of people following this guy named jesus and he's not a part of their team you know and and they're kind of like you know what what are they doing following this guy like we got to do something about this guy he's messing up our stuff they're paying more attention to him than they are us. We can't let that happen. And so they <laughs> tell Jesus, you know, rebuke your disciples. What does that mean? Tell them to be quiet. <laughs> How do we know that? Because of Jesus' response. And Jesus answered, I tell you, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. The very rocks would sing my praises. The creation is going to sing my praises. You can't stop it. And I'm not going to either. Of course, they're not happy about this. You know? But it's this reminder. It's this reminder that God's creation, a part of it being created, is the fact that it is actually intended to glorify God. It's intended to point us to Him. I was uh, in traffic the other day on 24. I love traffic on 24. It's one of my favorite things. On this particular day, I did have an actual moment where it drew me closer to the Lord. Usually it has the opposite effect. And, uh, but it was so slow that uh, as I was, uh, and I had one of the girls with me, and they were going with me to pick up some junk or something, and uh, and we were riding in the car, and I'm, I'm, I'm looking at, and I didn't say any of this out loud, but I'm, I'm staring at the traffic, and I'm going, why in the world are we going so slow, going to Clarksville? What is so, what is going on, you know? And, and as, we're, as we're in this traffic, I'm, I'm looking at the landscape, and I'm, I'm probably the world's worst sometimes, about like paying attention to the actual creation, you know? And but in this moment, I had a moment. And I was watching the clouds. And I think first of all I started doing that cuz I was thinking about the weather, just being honest. But that transitioned real fast to me just watching just how fast the clouds were moving across the sky. And I just thought, man, God created that, and it's on purpose that I'm getting to look at that right now and be reminded that everything else that I'm working on in this moment is actually pretty silly, and to be reminded of how great He is. 
that He's sovereign over all things, and that He's got all the things, you know, and, we, and, 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 and two, that we, not just His creation, the nature that is around us, the world that is around us, but also we, as His creation, were created to worship Him. We were created for that. That's why we adore stuff. That's why we latch on to stuff. You know, we're like, oh, look at that shiny thing. Cool, right? God created us, made us, where we would adore Him. And of course the truth is, and we've spent a lot of time talking about this, that we're, we're great at taking those things and making idols out of other things in the world instead of Him and letting Him be the thing that is the object of our affection. But when we spend time with Him, it is amazing what happens in those moments. I, I was just bawling like a baby over here singing that song a minute ago, you know? Just thinking about how great He is. Spending those moments with Him, just thinking, He was just like, what the heck, you know? We were created for this. He knew that. And then verse 41, it keeps going right here in the book of Luke. And it says this, it says, And when He drew near and saw the city, He wept over it. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. We're going to come back and talk about that. Saying, would, you, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. And the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in from every side and tear you down to the ground you and your children within you, and they will not leave one stone upon another in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. Now, that's heavy. Okay? It's like, okay, he sees the city, cries over it, and then all of a sudden he's like he's, like he's talking to the city, but he's on this journey to it. He's not even there yet, and he starts telling it what it's about to go through. Right? And what we see is we see this prophecy that he's giving of what's going to happen to Jerusalem, the city, and its people. Right? And we know that that prophecy will come true sometime later. But I want to go back to the very first thing that it says in verse 41. It says, And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it. He wept over it. You know, here's, here's one of the things that's interesting to me. If you go back and you're studying the life of Jesus, if you're paying real close attention and you go just backwards a little bit in any of these Gospels, what you're going to find is you're going to find uh, in some of them the story of Lazarus. You remember Lazarus? And this was one of Jesus' friends, right? And Lazarus dies, you know? And we have that, that, we have that infamous passage of Scripture, that infamous verse that's the shortest verse in the Bible. You remember what that verse is? Jesus wept. Right. You win the Bible drill. Good job. Don't you miss the Bible drills? They're good, right? And um, what we see is we see this moment that again, Jesus weeps. Why is he, why is he weeping? 
Why is he why is he weeping for Lazarus? Why is he weeping for the city of Jerusalem? He's weeping over loss, death. But you know, I got to ask the question. I mean, we're talking about Jesus, right? I mean, we we kind of know like he's king over even death, right? He came to save us from earthly death, right? Like that when we die our earthly death, we we don't die. We live with Him forever. Kind of thing. So why the crying? Why the emotional attachment to these things? And and, and I think here we, we see we're seeing this, you know, we're seeing this thing that's happening with Jesus where, you know, he suffers with us. He 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 too, we're seeing this piece of of part of him being fully God and fully human, where he too is emotional about what other people are going through. It's with someone recently going through a really hard moment, and I was crying with them, and you know, I, I couldn't help myself. And the truth is, I didn't even know the person that they were upset about losing in their life. But I didn't have to, because I care about them. And I don't want to see them go through hurt and pain and all these things, right? You know, and, and and I think it's I think it's just this reminder. It's good for us to be reminded that sometimes it's okay to not be okay. And and we've you know, there's there's so much of this like, you know, oh you just you know, get your get your act together and don't show emotion and all this stuff. Forget all that. That's a bunch of junk. You know, even Jesus didn't do that. You know? I, for some reason this reading through this reminded me of you know, um, we went to uh, my brother-in-law's mother's uh, funeral. This was, I don't know, a year or two ago, I think. And while we were there, uh, it was at a church where a friend of mine had been the pastor for many, many years, and he passed many years ago now. But he and I were very close. And to be honest with you, I hadn't been back to that church building since we lost him. And uh, losing him was very emotional for me. Um, and then just going to that funeral that day, just I, I could just feel myself, like just even driving there. I wasn't saying anything to anybody else about it or whatever. In fact, I think I met everybody else there, uh, you know, and I thought, I'm just, you know, going to get in here. We're going to get out. They got a little chapel. We didn't have to go in the worship center. And then dummy oh me, I couldn't even stop myself. At some point, I went to use the bathroom or something, and I was like, I'm going to wander over here to the worship center and open the door and take a look. And I just stepped into the back of that room, and I just lost it. just lost it because I miss my friend. You know, I hate that he's gone, but at the same time, I know he's with the Lord. So it's not, you know, I think sometimes we look at stuff like that and we go, well, then why are we emotional about that? We're emotional about that because that's the way God created us to be. He created us to care. And here, what we see in this passage is we see Jesus caring. We see Him caring so much that He's literally suffering in the moment of just thinking about our suffering. Right? He suffered for Lazarus to go through. He suffered for Lazarus' family to go through that. I think, I think He probably suffered even for Himself just in the thought of just that, that, that that would happen to Lazarus and He cared so much for Lazarus, Right? as we do a good friend. But here, we see him 
weeping over a city. A whole city. And he knows what's going to happen to it. He knew. He knew. And he weeps over it. And in his weeping over it, I think about that city. I think about Jerusalem. And I think about Jesus, of course, knowing all of Scripture. I think about Jeremiah 29. And of course, we all, Jeremiah 29, 11, it to death, you know. Uh, he's got plans. We love that. We love that part. But there's so much more to that passage. That passage gives us our mission. It gives us the mission of 24 church, at least. I can tell you that. This, this understanding and idea that we're called to a city, that we're called to a place, and that in being called to this city and called to this place, that we're called to move, move into it, to grow a family in it, to create businesses in it, to make it a better place. Those are all parts of that passage of Scripture. That's a part of our call as a church to be here. It's not for 24 Church to see what it can get from the community. It's for us to see what we can give and be to the community for the glory of God, right? And I think about Jesus looking at that city. Think about him. Think about him seeing that city as he comes over the hill or whatever it is, and all of a sudden there it is. And he and he just starts crying. And he's broken for it. And I have to ask the question: How do we feel about the city? How do we feel about our community? How do we feel about the people that God has called us to? Listen, if, if we're a believer, then we're, then, we're, then we're ministers of the gospel and we're called missionaries to where God's put us. And we know that. So, what does it mean to us when we see our city? Are, are, we, are we excited about the calling that God has put on our lives? Are we brokenhearted for the people that He's put in front of us? Or are we disgusted with them? Do we stay in a constant like mode of like, oh, these crazy people, you know? God has called us to be light into this world. Jesus loves us and he hurts when we hurt. And I'm I've thought about this so much this week, and especially in light of what happened on Monday. That I've thought so much about the fact that Jesus hurts with us, and I know that He has hurt with us this week, and He has hurt with so many of those families this week, I know. And at the same time that He hurts with us, He's also saving us and bringing us home with Him when we leave this earthly life. And so, I'm imagining, like, here's a Jesus that is hurting, and at the same time, it's like He just propped open the door to the car and said, hey, you guys are going with me. You know? And where else would we want them to be? Where else would we want those children and those adults to be? But in the arms of Jesus. 
and how grateful I am for that and for those promises that are true. And it's still okay to hurt. And it's still okay to have those moments where we're not okay. Verse 45, it goes on. Jesus clears the temple here in verse 45, and we're familiar with this. It says, and he entered, entered the temple and began to drive out those who sold, saying to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of robbers. And he was teaching daily in the temple. The chief priests and scribes and the principal men of the people were seeking to destroy him, okay? But they did not find anything they could do, for all the people were hanging on his words. So, if you keep reading there, what you'll find out is that Jesus continues to teach, and as he's continuing to teach, I mean, you already see that like their posture is not like, well, hey, let's see what this guy has to say. You know, maybe he's got something good for us, right? No. They want to destroy him, it says, right? Jesus knows this. This is the part where I was talking about, you know, Jesus has been kind of, you know, something like this would come up. He'd be like, well, let's just go over here and teach for a little while, you know? This is the part where Jesus, like, doubles down. And he's like, I'm here to stay. And in fact, the passage after this, what you'll see is you'll see that Jesus goes on to continue to teach and starts to be questioned about his authority and about his teaching. And what's he do? He just keeps on teaching. He just keeps on teaching. He knows what's coming. He knows what they're going to do. He knew. And even after being questioned about his authority and his teaching, he would teach and he taught a bunch. And here's where I want to give you the assignment. Here's where I want to give you the assignment. If you so choose to take it this week, and not that you can't figure it out and find it on your own, but I'm going to give you real quick the passages from each of the Gospels. If you would, to maybe read through, starting with the triumphant entry, Palm Sunday, up until he starts to begin to have to endure suffering or the trial or whatever, and then maybe you want to read those things on Good Friday uh, and on Saturday or something. Uh, but here, here we have, uh, here are the, the four passages. Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, and John 12. Matthew 21, Mark 11, Luke 19, John 12. That's the beginning of those passages, right? But again, we're, going, we're coming back to this understanding. They're like, this is, this is a big week. This is a big week. And there's so much more going on than I think we realize. Like, I know some weeks I go into a week and I'm like, there's so much happening this week. Like, can we not just like split this week up, split some of this stuff up? Let's move some of this stuff out of it, you know? You want to talk about a big week. He's got a big week. A lot on the line. A lot on his mind. A lot on his heart. And he knew about every bit of it. And I want to take us to one passage to be mindful as we're going into this week that it's not all a celebration because these same people that would be chanting, you're the greatest, and, you know, all these things, 
would within a week be killing him. John 13, verse 7. John 13, verse 7. And this is the passage where Jesus decides and is led, obviously, to, to uh, wash the disciples' feet, which is this whole interesting thing. And, and, and to kind of preface that, I mean, the, the washing of people's feet 2,000 years ago was different than washing the feet of those of us that are walking around in our Nikes today, okay? Like, we're talking about, like, the nastiest thing you could possibly do for somebody was be like, hey, let me wash your feet. You know, I mean, just the worst, right? And I want to read this passage, and, and we'll get to a point where you'll hopefully understand why we're reading this passage. John 13, verse 7, it says, and this is kind of in the middle of it, it said, Jesus answered him, what I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. And Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. This is interesting, like the different disciples, like their responses, like one of them's like, I'm not worthy for you to, to for you to wash my feet. Like I can't, I can't let you, the Lord touch my feet, right? And then like the next guy's like, Lord, I'm so awful and pitiful, I need you to just like give me a bath, right? It's basically what we've got going on here. In verse 9, it says, Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean but not every one of you. He's speaking about the disciples. And then in verse 11, he clarifies it. He says, it says, for he knew. He knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. He knew. He knew. And I think about how, how many things could you throw on a guy at one time? We feel that way some days, right? We're like, you know, how, how many things, Lord, how many things do I have to deal with at one time? Can't I just deal with one of them at once, you know, and then we can move on to the next? And we're like, Lord, do you even understand? Yes, he understands. You read through those passages. Read through those passages this week. See all of the things that encompass the week that he is to go through, starting with being celebrated. And where does that end up as the week goes on? And here, and here we are reminded that he knew that even one of his closest buds, who he had poured himself into, all of, all of this time would betray him. He knew. He knew who was to betray him. And yet what? He didn't, he didn't, he didn't like go to him and be like, hey, hey, you, I know, I know what you're up to. I know what you're up to and you're out of here. No, he doesn't do that. 
he has him for dinner. He keeps him in. Why? For us. It's all part of the plan. And he knew it. He knew it was part of the plan. And still he went on with it all for you and for me. He knew. And the question today is, do you know? Have you trusted in Him? Is Jesus your Savior? I'd love to pray with you about that if that's not the case, or at least even talk with you about it. And I'm going to go to the foyer as soon as I walk off this stage and be willing to do so, and I'll be waiting for you there. Folks, He knew for us. He knew for our sake. He knew for our salvation that these were the things that He would have to do to go through to be the sacrificial Lamb of God slain on that cross. This week, Good Friday. This week, Easter. All those things are coming, but He knew there was a whole bunch more coming even before that He knew. Do you know? Let's pray. God, we thank You for the reminder of Your grace. The reminder of Your truth. Lord, that it's not just a story. God, it was Your life given for us. God, I pray in this moment right now, Lord, that we wouldn't just recognize the sacrifice that You've made on the cross, but God, we recognize the sacrifice of Your life, Your emotions, the things that You would go through, the suffering that You would experience, Lord, so that You could experience what we experience. Lord, thank You. Thank You for all of it. Thank You for every bit of it. Thank You for giving Your life for us. God, may we recognize that and may we in turn also spend our days pouring out, loving, serving others. God, as You have called us to and just as You did. God, lead us. God, thank You that even while You knew, God, You still pushed forward to be the sacrifice that we needed You to be to save us, to forgive us. God, we thank You for the sacrifice of Your Son. And we ask all of it today in His name. Amen.